I want to talk to you tonight about prayer. I want to talk to you about holy desperation. From the book of Esther, chapter 4, the words, if you have your Bible, you can follow along or device, or the words will be on the screen above me. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, that you are showing us again and again and again the incredible power of prayer, of talking to you and believing you for the miraculous, believing you for deliverance, believing for power, believing that each of our lives can make a difference. We heard it tonight about the prodigal son coming home and God, his life made a difference, though he had made a mess in the past. You received him, you restored him, you rejoiced over him, and you sent him out to represent your heart among this people of this world. So Father, we just wanna thank you. Thank you for giving me the ability to share this. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to receive your words and to believe, God, to believe that you can use any one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me just set the stage for you for Esther chapter four. For those who are not familiar with it, now, the people of God, because they dealt lightly and loosely with the things of God, actually, some would say they dealt treacherously with the things of God, and because of that, they were taken into captivity. They lost the presence, they lost the provision, they lost the protection of God, and a nation called Babylon came in, conquered Almost unthinkable to them that they could be conquered because they were the people of God's promise in the earth. I mean, they had that history of miracles. They had the, the scriptures. They had the promise, but they, they held it casually as societies are prone to do throughout history. Because of it, they were conquered and they spent 70 years in a geographical place called Babylon. Now, Babylon itself was eventually conquered by another nation called the Medo-Persians. And the Medo-Persian king Cyrus allowed the people to start going home. God moved on his heart. He allowed the people to start going home to rebuild the testimony that they had lost in the earth, starting with, of course, the, the geographic location itself and the city, then the temple, and ultimately Nehemiah went back to, with a, a group to rebuild the wall. Now, the first return, the first return back to the promised land, they began to rebuild the, their society that had kind of broken down. And in between the first and the second, which was a return of, of Ezra, the priest, with some people with him, there, this whole scenario evolves. Because, you see, the devil himself is always trying to stop the testimony of Christ through his people in the earth. You find it all the way through Scripture. When God has a plan for his people, the devil will come up with a counter plan. And it always involves oppression, threats. Uh, the threats of darkness, the threats of re uh, retaliation, the threats of harm, and even death. And this is a common theme all the way through history, even today. We, we're seeing it playing out in Afghanistan, for example. I mean, we just see that, that same spirit being animated by the same darkness, still going after the light of Christ in God's people. Now, into this scenario, th this scene, in a sense, if... If those who plotted to kill all the Jewish people at this time had been successful, then it's, it's a conclusion we can draw that the second and third return into the promised land would not have happened. The temple would not have been rebuilt. Jewish history would be different. It would affect all of history. So what is, what is God's plan to thwart this whole thing? Now, we give, we give Esther, in a sense, the marquee in this whole story because she was uh, the queen. She, we know the story. She went in. She 
petitioned the king, she prayed, she fasted. But I want to suggest to you the real hero of this story is a man called Mordecai. He was a man who just began to intercede, and it proves to us once again that the, the holy desperation of one person can change both the future and can change history in this case. The holy desperation of one man. This is what we're going to talk about. Now, the decree has been issued by this king who's been convinced that the people of God are worthless to his kingdom and they should be eliminated. That's where this story begins. When the story falls upon the ears of this man called Mordecai, who's, who's a family member, in a sense, of Queen Esther, who's the, the wife of the, the Medo-Persian king at that time, this is where this particular chapter begins, and this is where the victory of God's people gets uh, to be known again in the earth. Verse 1, chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and a bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In other words, uh, his... He went as far as he could go in his prayer. Here's a man whose heart was, was gripped with a holy desperation, not for himself. I don't think Mordecai at any point was looking to preserve himself. His prayer was outside of himself. It was about others. And this is where prayer really finds its power when we finally get away from our own struggles and trials. This wasn't just about God save me. This was about God save your people. Your people are destined for the slaughter. They're, there's a law that's been passed and, and people are going to be allowed on a certain day to, to kill the Jewish people and to, and to steal all their possessions. And the Jewish people have no might against this. And so he began to cry out. It was just a, a lone voice. So you, you can hear him. He's, a, he's all by himself and he's, he's dressed himself in sackcloth and ashes. He's repenting for the sins of the people as much as he knows how. He's repenting for the horrid condition they find themselves in. And, and he goes as far as he physically can go. He goes right to the king's gate, but he's not allowed to enter because of the way he's dressed and because of his burden, obviously. Verse 3 says, And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. And Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs whom she had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. In other words, she just sent out somebody who says, what is going on with my, my cousin Mordecai? What's happened to him? Why, why is he doing this? So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king and make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hatak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spoke to Hatak and gave a commandment for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. 
Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are at present in Sushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. We see this man Mordecai in verse 2. It says he went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. Like Mordecai is like a a runner in a multi-person race. He ran as far as he could and stretched out the baton to someone in his family who was supposed to be the next runner. The problem is the next runner didn't even know that there was a race, let alone that she was supposed to be the closer in this race. And we we can have that happen to us. So Esther's maids and eunuchs in verse 4 came and told her the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. She, she called one of the king's eunuchs, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. In other words, Esther is saying, this is the, the type of, of somebody that says, well, just cheer up. It can't be that bad. Be happy. When all around you, you know that everything is going to be destroyed. The law of sin and death is on steroids. The society and those in authority have turned against the people of God. And the people of God seem to be powerless to rise up and defend themselves. And Mordecai would not accept this comfort. Mordecai had a holy desperation in his heart. He knew that this was going to be destructive. He knew it was going to take away the testimony of God in the nation. And he couldn't have known, but he must have suspected that it's going to have a deep effect on the future. Something something dreadful was about to happen if, if this situation was not somehow countered by the power of prayer. And thank God that Esther, through the intercession of her cousin Mordecai, took up the burden of prayer and threw her own life in as part of the answer. And she opened the door to God's plan, God's provision, and God's power. She did take the baton, but she took it because somebody else began to pray. And it reminds me of the the situation where maybe you can say, nobody in your family is walking with God. You're the only one walking. I want to challenge you. Go to the king's gate. Go there with a holy desperation. Go there with a prayer that is deeper than, and, and with a knowledge that only God can make this happen. And you'd be surprised who starts to take up the baton in your own home and in your own family. Supernaturally, God moved upon Esther's heart. And instead of preserving herself, instead of being really uninformed, she didn't even know. She didn't even know this law had been passed. She didn't even know the Jews were slated for destruction. She didn't know why Mordecai was weeping and fasting and crying out in the city and at the king's gate. But because of his intercession, the baton now was passed through the gate to Esther. And Esther took the baton and she turned to prayer. You see, people won't pray if we don't pray. 
They won't have a burden if we don't have a burden. It's, it's not enough just to try to push somebody else into the, into the arena and say, you go and you get involved in the fight. No, you and I have to go to the gate. All it takes to change history is one person with a holy desperation in their heart. One person that says, I'm not giving up until God moves. I'm not drawing back because the word of God says, if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. I'm not drawing back. I don't care who tells me to be quiet. I don't care who tells me I'm too heavy. I don't care how much they try to say you're too extreme. I see something in the spirit. I see a destruction coming to the people of God. I see God's people crying out all over the nation, unable to defend themselves. But I see also something else, that there is somebody somewhere that has access to the throne that can make a difference. And if I can move those people to going to the throne of God, the scepter of God will move in their direction because Jesus Christ still moves mountains today. He told his people, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not some of the power of the enemy or an ounce of the power of the enemy or a tiny portion. I give you power to tread on these demonic powers of hell and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. There's, There's a fear of self-preservation in the hearts of so many people that will cause us in this hour in which we're not living, now living rather, it will cause us to draw back to preserve ourselves. But Mordecai said to Esther, don't be fooled into thinking you'll escape because you, you carve out some nice little niche for yourself. This evil is not going to pass over your house either. You have a choice. You either perish or you fight for the honor of God. And you invoke the holy God to do what only he can do. And suddenly after Mordecai's intercession, Esther herself calls her friends to fast and pray. Three days and three nights. Don't eat anything and don't drink anything. And after you've prayed and we've fasted, I'm going to go into the king. And if I perish, I perish. And I thank God that she threw her life in with her prayer. And she said, well, I suppose it's better to die than to live to preserve to try to preserve myself. Didn't Jesus himself say, if you try to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose what you have for my sake, you will gain a life you could never have of any of your own choosing. Everything turned to victory. God gave Esther incredible wisdom. She came out of that time of fasting and prayer with a wholehearted dependence on God. And God gave her wisdom. And you read the rest of the book and you'll see she had a wisdom that could only come from God. She didn't rush in to ask her favor. She waited until I believe the Holy Spirit told her to speak. I believe the Lord told her when to speak, how to speak, what to speak, and why to speak. And when you begin to pray and you begin to fast, you watch the influence that God will start to give you over your family. Even if you didn't even know that you were supposed to be in the battle. You're spending your whole time trying to preserve yourself. Many people online listening to me now, you, you've just spent your whole, you've, you've spent most of your life just trying to preserve yourself. All, your prayers are all about yourself. But tonight God is challenging you. There's a bigger battle out there than just preserving yourself, Esther. There's a whole host of people that have no power to defend themselves against evil. And you are in a place where you have access to the throne of the king. They don't, 
you do. Those people were not in proximity to the king. There's all kinds of people in our society today. They don't have access to the throne. They don't even know that there is a king that would move his scepter forward towards them. They, they have no knowledge of the goodness of God because they're so distant from the throne of power. But Esther, you aren't. You are in a place where you can go to the king and the favor of the king will move towards you. And he said, Esther, what is it that you would have me to do for you? And you and I both know that Esther was seeking to have this law of sin and death canceled over her people and a new law written that would give them the power to stand up and not only fight back, but to be victorious. And it wasn't just about the people in Medo-Persia at this time. You and I know historically that it was about those people that were going to leave Medo-Persia and go back into Israel and rebuild the testimony of God and rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall, the, the very spot that Jesus Christ himself was going to come into. We all know it was, it was an integral part. It, it was a, a link in the chain that, that couldn't afford to be broken in the, in the redemptive history of God on the earth. And this incredible link held and the people of God were delivered and families were given the power to stand up and fight back against this onslaught of hell that was coming against them all because one man wouldn't quit. One man had a holy desperation in his heart. If you're gonna pray for something tonight, pray God give me a holy desperation for your power. Give me a holy desperation for my family. Give me a holy desperation for this generation. Give me a holy desperation to see your power released and revealed one more time to, to push back this, this, this weight of darkness that's trying to swallow a whole society. It's trying to swallow our children. If it doesn't kill them in the womb, it confuses them in their schools and radicalizes them in their colleges and tries to destroy their minds and teach them how to hate God and hate their country and live for themselves and be completely self-focused, not knowing they're fighting against powers of darkness that are taking away their strength. You see, this is why in this prayer meeting on Tuesday night, we say after the prayer meeting, stay and pray. Stay where you are, stay in the group you are, stay in the home you're in, stay in the park bench you're sitting on right now, stay and pray. Whether it's two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter. Stay and pray until the power of God comes upon you. Stay and pray until you see clearly what the will for your life is in the future. Stay and pray until you know in your heart that God is going to use you to reach your home and to reach your family. Pray for something bigger than your own need. You and I have got to learn to escape having always just praying for ourselves and God help me in this area. And that's necessary. I get that. We have to do that. But there's a point where we have to branch up beyond that. And it becomes about other people. Pray for the family of God and your family to become engaged in the spiritual battles for people today. Pray. Pray that your sons, your daughters, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad that they would get involved in the battle of God, that they would, they would pick up that sword of the spirit as it is and begin to fight the battles of God. Pray that those that are cowering would be given courage. Pray, 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 and let's believe God together that there's going to be a moment of mercy in this world and an end time spiritual awakening. Pray for power to stay faithful until the answer comes as Mordecai did. It would have been so easy for him to give up. 
people in the city were probably mocking him. I can see the soldiers near the, near the king's gate mocking him. I can, I can see Esther's servants coming out and say, the queen says, get up and take off these sackcloth and put on, put on garments and wash your face and cheer up. It can't be all that bad. But Esther, Mordecai rather, he stayed faithful until he got the answer. And this is a time for the church of Jesus Christ to stay faithful until the answer comes. Not in our strength, but in the strength of our Christ. Not in our zeal, but in the zeal of the Lord of hosts who will perform this. Not in any strategy we can procure, but just you and I going to the throne of God and believing that the scepter of God's power and mercy is going to move towards us in Christ and believing that our sons and daughters will take the baton from our hands and carry the fight ahead of us. Not even, maybe at this moment, even knowing that there is a fight to be fought. Praise God. All these things in Scripture, the New Testament tells us, are given us for our instruction, for our admonition, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be, the woman of God might be perfected, coming to this full measure of knowledge in Jesus Christ. Let these things not just be stories any longer that you and I read in our Bible. Let's, let's live this moment again. We're in a dark time, my brother and my sister. We're in a time when laws are being written against the people of God. We're in a time where depression is abounding. Addictions are sweeping and destroying entire communities. We're in a time when children are confused and crying, as the scripture says, for bread on every street corner. We're in a time when you and I need to learn to pray again with a holy desperation. My God, I have been praying this way for the last season. I, I sometimes find myself just groaning and crying out the name Jesus. The prayer that's being birthed in my heart is deeper than words now. I don't have words to express it. I'm just crying out for him. Jesus, you have to come. Jesus, you have to show your power again. Jesus, you have to deliver this generation. Jesus, you said you would rise and defend the children when societies moved into the fields of the fatherless. You claimed to be their father and you said you would rise and defend them. Jesus, you said you would confuse and confound those who believe they can cast off the word of God in their societies. Jesus, you said that if we would believe that we would have whatsoever we asked for believing. You told us that mountains could still be moved. Jesus, you said that if we would tarry, we would be filled with power and we would become witnesses where we are and where you send us all throughout the world. Jesus, you've got to take your right hand of power out of your bosom one more time and fight for this generation. We come to the gate of the king. We come with a groaning. We come with a holy desperation. We're not looking to preserve ourselves. We're looking for you to be glorified in the earth and for your people to be given strength to stand up and fight back. This is the cry of my heart. This is the holy desperation that's got to be in the church of Jesus Christ again in this last hour of time. It's time for all the partying to cease. It's time for all the back to be put away. It's time for all the stars to come down out of their lofty places. It's time again in our hearts to put on sackcloth and ashes. It's time to come to the throne of the king and say, God, I'm not going to rest. I can't rest. I can't stop. I can't cease praying until I see your glory in the earth again. 
until I see my family walking with you, until I see my sons and my daughters and my grandchildren, my God, until I, I see my home taking that, that baton of prayer and fasting and fighting for the glory of God. I can't stop. I'm not going to stop until somebody reaches through that gate and gives this baton to Esther because it's now her turn to run.